You can be seated. So we started a series a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, that we call Living and Active, Living and Active. And what that is, is talking about the Word of God and um, what you hold, what you have in possession, uh, maybe at your home or maybe it's on a bookshelf or maybe it's on a coffee table and, 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 and maybe many of you have brought yours today and, um, and, and own one. Um, that's God breathed out. That is God's living breath. It's more than just ink on a page, it's breath on a page. And over the last few weeks, we talked about how there's been many tyrants, many leader, many powerful people over the years that have um, tried to, you know, eliminate the word of God, tried to burn it, tried to kill those who preached it, tried to eliminate those who lifted it up and, and, and glorified it, and, and it has always prevailed. It has always prevailed. And that's why, because the word of God tells us that what it would happen, that the grass withers and, the, and you and I are the grass. The flowers fade and our greatest moments or our greatest achievements in this life are like a picture of a flower that buds and, and blooms and all of its beauty and all of its glory. He says, but the, but the word says, but the grass will fade, the grass will wither, the flowers will fall off but the word of God will last forever. And no matter who comes up against it, against it, and many have over history have come up against it, but they have all passed on. They have all risen up and fallen down. They have all rose to the glory and the power of being maybe the most powerful people on this planet. But at the end of the day, they fell, they faded, but the word of God is still enduring. It's still enduring. It, it, the word of God is, is doing fine. We've been talking about how I, we don't hold up the word of God. The word of God holds us up. As much as or more so as I'm holding the very words of God in my hand, the word of God, what the word of God wants to do in your life is it, it, it wants to prop you up. And the word of God is not as fragile as the pages that we turn it. It's not as fragile as it is to rip out the pages of, of this. That it is built on mountains of evidence greater than any ancient literature, greater than any archaeologists that have gone out and have explored and tried to refute the scriptures and all they have done is dug up and they have found that it is accurate, that it is true, that is all that they've discovered. I mean, there has been, you know, and the message of it, I'm telling you, the message of it is unique. The message of it is, is one of a kind. Every other faith-based book, every other religious book that tells you, you know, about God or how to get to heaven, it always tells you what you have to do to get to God. But not this. This tells us about what one has done, what almighty God has done to get to to us, that he left heaven and he came down to this earth and he put on flesh and blood. The word, according to John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Reuben, turn me down a notch or two. I can yell enough as it is. But that's what the word of God is. It's not just a manual for life. 
it brings someone from death to life. That's what it does. It has the power to change any circumstance. It has the ability to make things that are wrong, to make them right again and better than ever. That's the word of God because it is God breathed out on us. And so we're gonna continue this series today. Next week, we'll, we'll draw it to a, a, a conclusion, but um, I just want us to sort of now take it a little bit to more of a practical level uh, for all of us. And we give, I've given the statistics. And as a matter of fact, um, if you were here last week, I gave a lot of information, didn't I? I was, my head was hurting after I gave the talk last week. Um, and so I know some of you said, man, I, there was too much to write down. So I made copies uh, of my notes. Uh, if you want those, those are available uh, out there on the, on the side door uh, desk out there. But uh, you, can, you can grab those if you want uh, some, some of oh, that information that I shared uh, last week. And so... Um, I want us to really just take today and, and it next week and, and really just sort of, um, you know, break it down into some things that I believe are, are necessity. And you can own a Bible, and that's a good thing. I hope you own a Bible. And you can even own a Bible and be sentimental about it, and that's a good thing. You can view it as, you know, you can revere it and respect it, and that's a good thing. But the word of God doesn't really work the way that it was intended to work unless you engage with it. You with me? It just doesn't work in that manner unless you are willing to work, the, work it and, and, and engage with it and, and, and dive into it and, and apply it to your life. It, it doesn't have the power until it's engaged, right? You, make, you with me so far? Let me give you an example of that. Kathy, can you help me out? Okay, come on up, Kathy. Kathy, I, I, I need you, I wanna, come on up here. Kathy, I wanna give you a, an envelope, okay? You see this envelope right here? Okay, here's an envelope. Um, I, I want you to have what's inside here, okay? All right, so I'm gonna open up this envelope, and, and I want you to have this, Kathy. Here's $102, Kathy. I want you to have, isn't that great? Give Kathy a round of applause, isn't that amazing? <laughs> Kathy gets... $102, you see that? This is, wow, this is pretty amazing, isn't it? You're, you're not impressed. You're not impressed by that. Well, well, the reason probably you're not impressed, Kathy, and you're like, why did you bring, you know, you're like, this is not gonna, this is no value to me whatsoever. Like, there's no worth here. Like, you know, as much as you want to open up this envelope, you know, and it's, it's a thin envelope, and you open it up, and it doesn't look like there's much in here. And then as a matter of fact, as you open it up, you know, there's, $102. Now, it's Monopoly money. Does that get you anywhere, really, other than if you're playing a game of Monopoly? but not really, right, Kathy? Right, Kathy? But so I, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to give you this envelope. Kathy, I want you to, I want you to have this envelope, Kathy, right here. And uh, in this envelope is actually $102. And that's a little bit more exciting, isn't it, Kathy? Isn't that more exciting? Yeah, yeah it, uh, you can clap for that. That's just really good. So Kathy, 
This is 100, and you can take that little pen that they have at the bank, and you can mark on that, you know, $100 bill just to make sure, but I just want to verify. I'm not going to lie to you, you know, I'm going to tell you that this is a real $100 bill, and I don't know why I gave you $2, two ones, I don't know what you're going to do with that, maybe buy a coffee or something with that, but I want you to have, have this, Kathy, but here's the, here's the point, Kathy, and I think here's the power behind this. Now, unless you apply this, it has the same value as this. You can open it up, you can open up the envelope and you can pull out, you know, $102 in Monopoly money and and you can do the same for this envelope, which is actually $102. But until you take this and you could, with this, Kathy, I don't know what you're gonna do with it, but you can do whatever you want with it. It's your, your money. But with this, you could keep the lights on. With this, you could buy a cart full of groceries that could really change some things. With this, you could pay some bills. But if it just stays in the envelope and it's never engaged, if it's never applied, what good is it? It's just the same as the paper that the envelope that it holds it in, right, Kathy? But it could put, do you agree? It could change anything. And I don't know how it's gonna change your world, Kathy. I'm just kind of trusting God. I turned around and I saw you, Kathy, and I thought, I'm gonna give Kathy $102 today. So glad that you came to church. Yes, you are. (laughs) Kathy, you gotta take it. (laughs) Kathy, (laughs) Kathy. All right, there you go, buddy. I know it's gonna change his world. All of you are going, why did he pick me? It will change my world. It will. It could change your world. But listen, that's the word of God. It, it's, it's, just, it's just pages. It's just paper if it's not applied. It's just a book. And I don't want it to be, listen, listen, I don't want it to be just another book for you. I don't want it to be just another thing, another book that you put in your bookshelf and you pull that out when you feel like reading it at some point during the week or after a couple weeks, like you read some sort of novel. That it's different than that. The word of God is different than that. But it, it won't be different. Listen to me. It won't be different unless you engage with it. Right? That's why. So this is what I want us to do. We need to engage with it. So here's what I want us to look at the word of God as. Not as a book. Now I'm going to give you a few today and I'm going to give you a few more next week, but I could give you like 44 of these. But I want to just I want us to just look at the word of God as something different than just another book. Is that okay? And the only way that it becomes just a, more than just any other book, which we believe that it is, it's, it's more than just another book. It is breath on a page. It is take you from death to life. It is, it is God telling you and giving you the greatest message, the message, by the way. It's not just another message because the message of this book is different than any other message. It's the message, the message. But if, in order for that to be, you have to engage with it. So you have to view it as not just a book. We, I, I think that we should look at it as oxygen. We should look at it as oxygen. 
That's the way that, that we, we need to describe it as. It's, it's breath for us. It's, it's O2 for us. Now, if you think about it in this way, you know, when you breathe, our breathing, and, and uh, you know, if you take science, biology, you probably know this, and, and you probably have, you know, good, have a good sense of this already. But when you and I breathe, when we breathe in, we breathe in oxygen, right? But when we breathe out, we breathe out carbon dioxide. When we breathe in, we breathe in fresh, clean. But when we breathe out, we breathe out poison. We breathe out toxin. That's what we breathe out, at carbon dioxide. And, and the word of God is, is similar in that way. And, it, and the analogy is this, is that he, we should view the word of God, not just as another book, but we should view the word of God as like fresh air for us that we need. The oxygen that goes inside of us, that God breathed it out and that we need to and ought to breathe it in. That it's oxygen for us. It's, 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 it's important for us to have that. And that what happens is, is that we breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe out poison. And that is, a picture of that is maybe we breathe out stress. We breathe out worry. We breathe out anxiety. We breathe out, you know, a, a fear. We breathe out anger. We breathe these things out as far as the analogy of what naturally happens for us as our breathing in process and our breathing out process. And that's why we need to look at God's word as oxygen for us because we live in a society full of toxic toxic junk. We live in a culture that is so inundated with, with things that are only poison to our minds and to our hearts. And so what is imperative for every one of us is that we view the word of God not just as another book on the coffee table, but we view the word of God as air, as oxygen that we breathe in. My wife and I went on our honeymoon to, to Aruba, and one of the things that you do when you go on these Caribbean trips is that you go on these, uh, maybe, probably, if you have before, you go on these boat tours. You go on these boat tours and you go snorkeling and, and scuba diving. We went on one of these uh, boat tours where you go snorkeling and scuba diving, and, and that was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to go snorkeling. And I'm, before we loaded up on the boat, there was those that were going scuba diving. They were in the pool. Have you ever, anybody been scuba diving before? Before, you're sort of in the in the pool and you're getting you're learning how to how to breathe the oxygen you're learning how to breathe in the oxygen and I remember going out on the on the boat and going to these different stops where they stopped you at where some would you would get out and you would go snorkeling so the snorkeling people would go snorkeling and the scuba diving people would go scuba diving and I remember being so envious of the scuba divers because they could just go down further. They could go farther down and see and explore underwater. I remember having my snorkel and like holding my breath and going down and trying to stay with the scuba divers. And I'm like, I'm like, and they're just like, you know, looking around, taking pictures, you know. And I'm just like, and I'm just trying to get down there where they are. But I couldn't get down fully where they were. I had to come back up and get, go get, get some air. I had to get some oxygen. And I just remember going, oh, I wish I would have 
learned how to do that. I wish I would have, you know, done that because that looks like more enjoyable. And they're just looking and exploring and seeing things. Do you know as Christians that it's almost like we live in a world where we're scuba divers. We live in a world where we are sort of out of, you know, we're, this is not our home. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever heard that described before? Like, this is not our, our home. We don't quite fit here. Just like a scuba diver that's underwater, they don't, that's not really natural. And what they need to do, they need to bring their oxygen with them in order for them to survive. And we're oftentimes, as Christians, we're like snorkelers. We like, we know that we live in a world that we don't really fit in, that the world that's a little bit different, a little contrary to what the word of God tells us and how we should live. And we sort of try to snorkel around for a while, but then after a while, we got to come up for air and we sort of have to blend into our, our environment that we're not necessarily supposed to blend in with. We sort of blend in with the world and we're not supposed to blend in with the world. And so he's telling us, he's saying, listen, we live like we're, another analogy, fish out of water. And when you and I are like, live in a world that we don't necessarily fit in, you and I need to have our oxygen with us in order for us to be able to breathe when we're underwater. I don't know if you've ever been there in your life where you feel like it's just everything is working against you. You're sort of going against the grain. You're experiencing things in this life that aren't fair, that hurt. You're experiencing things in this life that just sort of contradict what you know is is right or true or real and we are like scuba divers and in order for us to survive we need our oxygen we need our oxygen in order for us to make it in this world we need to have the word of God and not see it as a book but to view it as the air that we need to survive And one of the rules in scuba diving is, one of the biggest rules is this, don't stop breathing. (laughs) Boy, that was a mind blower right there. You're going, that's where the number one rule of scuba diving. Hey, you have your tank, make sure you don't stop breathing. Make sure you're breathing in the oxygen. You know why they tell you to do that? So that carbon dioxide doesn't build up so that you don't poison yourself. And if all we're doing is just breathing in, listen, all we're doing is breathing in oxygen on Sunday, and then after Sunday we leave and go, (gasps) and we finally try to get back to Sunday, and we're like, (sighs) you're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. If all the air, if all the oxygen you're getting is from, you know, this, these sermons on Sunday morning, it's like you're just getting, getting it on Sunday, holding your breath all week long, and then waiting until the following Sunday. You won't make it. You will poison yourself with the carbon dioxide of this life. You will poison yourself with what the world is just breathing out, what the world is is exhaling. That's why we need the word of God. 
as oxygen for us to breathe. Because if we're not breathing in the oxygen, we're in big, big trouble. I love the story in the Old Testament. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel was a prophet and God came to Ezekiel in a dream or a vision and he brought him to a valley. He brought him to a place where there was all these dried out bones, all of these skeleton people that are laid out in this valley. And God asked Ezekiel the prophet a question. He said, hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel says, I don't know, you're God. <laughs> you, you, you know, you know. And God, the Bible tells us in Ezekiel that the word of the Lord, it says the word of the Lord came onto these dry bones, these skeletons laid out in the, in the valley and the word of God was spoken and the breath of God was brought onto these dry bones. And it says that according to the vision of Ezekiel that these dry bones began coming together bone to bone. It says that tendons began to form on them and it says skin began to cover them and it tells us that after that that they stood up these once dry bones stood up and were a vast army and this is the breath of God for you and for me. And maybe you feel like in your life right now that things are dry, that things are empty, that things don't feel like they're quite working out the way that you want them to work out, that there's something missing in your life. And maybe what that is is this. You need and I need the breath of God to bring together what is, one, what is dry, what is desolate, to bring that together and to put life into you you again because that's the picture of what Jesus has done. Remember that the Bible is all about Jesus? It's the story of Jesus. Guess what? This vision is a story of what Jesus wants to do in your life. He wants to take your dryness and he wants to bring you back to life again so that you and I as the church of Jesus Christ stands as a vast great army for the kingdom of God. That's the word of God for you and for me. It is not just another book. It is the air. It is the oxygen that we need in a poisonous, toxic culture. That's oxygen. Number two, I think the way we need to look at it, according to the word of God, that we need to look at it as food. We need to look at it as food. And according to Matthew chapter number four, this is a story of Jesus was um, just really, you see in the scriptures that Jesus has grown and, and he's a, a man beginning his ministry. And the first thing that Jesus experienced was a temptation. Anybody experienced temptation in your life? Everybody? No? Okay. I just, me, I guess. Okay. So Jesus, you guys, come on, everybody. Are you here today? Are we here today? Come on, man. I'm working hard at this. Like, be with me here. Look, here we go. So Jesus is experiencing temptation and the enemy is coming on him. Do you know that there's an enemy? 
Is anybody aware of the fact that you're right now, like he's scheming against you right now? Are you, are you, do you know this right now? Like you're not just flying under the radar in the, in the realm of the enemy, the spiritual world, the principalities and the darknesses of this world. You're not flying under that radar. He's pointing at every one of you going, I'm gonna take them out. I am going for her. I am going for him. By the way, he's prowling around in kids' church right now too, looking at and going, I'm gonna take her out. I'm gonna take him out. He's downstairs where the little ones, you say, not the little ones. He doesn't mess with the little ones. Are you kidding me? He's going for the little ones. Are you with me right now? It is temptation that we all experience, right? And Jesus is going, experiencing, by the way, he experienced what you experienced. He relates with you. He understands what you, de- what you deal with, according to Hebrews. He gets your weaknesses. He gets your temptations because he experienced it too. And the enemy comes to him after he didn't eat. I don't know if this has ever been a case for you. I've never gone this long without eating. I haven't even gone 40 hours without eating. He was 40 days without eating. 40 days fasting. And of course, the enemy comes upon him just what he does for you and he preys on his weakness. Just what he does for you, your weakness, your insecurity, he's all over it. The thing that, you know, you struggle with, the thing that you battle with, the thing that you work through, guess what? He's all over it. That's what he's pinpointing. And so the weakness that Jesus had was he was starving because he was human. And the enemy comes to him and says, hey, you know what, Jesus, you know what you can do? If you're the son of God, like you say you are, you see these rocks right here? You see these stones right here? Why don't you just go ahead and turn them into bread? Oh, and and Jesus, that was tempting because Jesus was so hungry. And did Jesus have the power to do that? You better believe he had the power to do that. And it would have been just as amazing as him turning water into wine, Jesus taking stones and turning them into bread. And Jesus, and the devil says to Jesus, hey, why don't you just turn these into bread so that you can eat it and enjoy it and you'll be satisfied and you'll be fulfilled. And here's what Jesus' response was to him. The word of God to him. And he answered and said, it is written. It has already been written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that perceives out of the mouth of God. You know what is more necessary for you and for me than the food that we put into our bellies. What is more necessary is the word of God that we put into our souls. That's more important. You say, I won't live without food. You won't live without the word of God. And we need to look at the word of God, not as just another book on the shelf, but we need to look at the word of God as food that we need. What if you, <laughs> I don't, tell me if I've already done this one. 
what if you only ate on Sundays? And you didn't eat all week, and you came back and you got another meal on Sundays. How are you going to look? How are you going to feel? Pretty crummy, huh? Pretty crummy. And here's what people like me do. Here's what preachers do. People like me stand up here in a sermon like this and we say, you need it. This is necessary for your life. And I sort of even made it already feel that way. That it's necessary. It's a necessity for your life. And, you know, it'd be like if you didn't eat on Sunday, you only ate on Sunday and didn't eat all week and came back on Sunday, it'd be, it's a necessity. Listen, people like me do this a disservice because the word of God is not just a necessity. It is not even meant to be looked at as a necessity. But you know what it's supposed to be for us? A delicacy. A delicacy. It is not like, and here's what people like me do. So, so I'm a dork. I hate myself for doing this sometimes. I don't want it to feel like you're showing up to the hospital and I'm making you eat the hospital food. Like I've been to many hospital rooms where people have been laying there and it's just a terrible ordeal and they have this feeding tube into their mouth and that's a terrible, terrible thing to go through. This is not what I want this to sound like for you. Nor does it, is it the picture that Jesus wants to give us in his word when it talks about we need to feed on it. Because it's not a feeding tube. It's not even hospital food. It's not airplane food. Anybody eat air, like airplane food? I don't even know if they serve that anymore. They're like, you want beef or do you want chicken? You're like, I don't even know which one is which. Is that beef? No, that's chicken. Oh, okay. I, like, I remember going flying to Korea one time and I, they ran out of the American dish. They gave me, they said, sorry, sir, we ran out of the American dish. Here you go. This is all we have. And I was starving. This is like a 20-hour flight. It was necessary that I ate something. I didn't have any snacks in my bag either. And nobody was sharing with me because they just wanted me to eat what they served. And I opened that tray up. And I'm telling you, I, I'm sure that this isn't what, what happened. But in my mind, this happened. That fish that they gave me, that thing was still flopping. And if I didn't close that tray real quick, that fish was going to flop out. And I'm pretty sure that the eyeball was still in that fish. This is not the word of God. This is not, I don't want you to look at the word of God and, and go, uh-huh. You know, plug your nose as you're eating the word. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, this, I, could, I just, I just got to get this down because I need, need to fill my belly. No, 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 that's not the word of God. The word of God is El Mariachi. The word of God is a good breakfast at Woody's. The word of God is Uptown Grill. 
The word of God is BlackRock. Anybody been to BlackRock? That's amazing. You go and you just get, they just put a slab of meat on this hot rock and they tell you not to burn yourself, which I don't understand how they, this works, but they, it works for them. And you just cook your meat how you want it. That's the word of God. Whatever it is that your favorite restaurant is, Moonlight, I don't know. I mean, hummus, maybe the word of God is hummus for you. That's what it is in my house for my wife. We got to go to moon. I don't like moonlight. No offense to anybody that owns moonlight in this place, but my wife has to have her hummus. But that is a delicacy. That is something that she just needs to sit down. We'll commonly, I don't know if you do this as parents, but we'll commonly hurry and rush our kids to bed so that we can just enjoy our dinner for ourselves. (laughs) Do I sound like a terrible parent? Good night, guys. Hurry up. Sunday night, my, my son will tell you, Sunday night, it's like our pizza night. Oh, it's wonderful. It is like, and we get our kids in the bed and they wake up on, on Monday morning and go, you got pizza again without us? Yes. Because we order our pizza the way that we want to order our pizza, the way that we like our pizza. And we sit there and we eat that greasy pizza and we don't care. We don't think about the consequences around that. We just are enjoying each other and enjoying that meal. And that's the word of God meant for you and for me. It is not a feeding tube. It is a plate of whatever you can think of that is like your meal that you just consume and you're like, that is amazing. That's the word of God for us. You say it's too intimidating. I, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, it's too intimidating. I, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Listen, here's a How many of you have ever given your baby steak to start with? None of us. None of us, none of you have ever started, hey, you go, you know, you got a little infant, you know, bring the infant home. Here, you know, give them some ribs. That's not where you start with an infant. Where do you start with an infant? Milk. Milk. Listen, if you're a little infant in Christ, big deal. That's great. You know what you need to start? You need to start with just a little bit of milk. As a matter of fact, Peter tells us that in, in, in first Peter, if we can throw that verse up there, first Peter chapter something or other in the verse, there you go. First Peter two, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it, you may grow in respect to salvation. And he says, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, if you just have tasted the kindness of the Lord, anybody taste the kindness of the Lord in your life? You can give a round of applause for that. Just so I know that you're here and awake and with me. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, he says, here's what I want you to start. I just want you to start drinking milk. And eventually, as you're drinking milk, eventually you're going to grow into Cheerios. 
And you're going to be on your chair and you're going to try to get as many Cheerios in your mouth and, you know, 15 of them are on the floor, but at least three of them made it in. And you're like, that's good for me, right? Young parents, you know what I'm talking about. And then after a while, then you move to mac and cheese, right? You move on. You're growing up in the things of God. You're moving from milk to Cheerios and that soft baby food that I don't recommend any parent eating. You know, the peas, the mushed peas and the mushed up carrots. You move on to there, mac and cheese. And then after a while, you're driving in the drive-thru and your kids are asking you for chicken nuggets. You're like, you're eating chicken nuggets already? Yeah, I'm eating chicken nuggets already. And then after a while, they, you, you sort of grow out of the Happy Meals and they're like, give me a number 10, dad. They're like, a number 10? Like, I, I just rather spend the money on the Happy Meal, but they're like, no, I need more than that. I need a number 10 right now. Dad, I need a burger. My 11-year-old is going, Dad, where, where can we go get a steak? I'm like, you're eating steak? And this kid is eating more than me now. Anybody, that's sobering now to think about. I'm like, how do you eat so much? I can't afford you anymore. What are they doing? They're growing. They're just growing and they need more food. And that's what the word of God is. And listen, if you're just, you just need milk, man, you come talk to me and I'll stick a bottle in your mouth and say, let's do this. I'm excited that you just want to get into the word of God and just start drinking some milk because in just short period of time, you're going to grow from that. You're going to eat Cheerios of the word of God. You're going to eat mac and cheese of the word of God. You're going to eat chicken nuggets of the word of God. You're going to eat burgers of the word of God. And after a while, you're going to start housing porterhouses in the name of the word of God. And you're going to go, wow, boy, am I growing. Man, am I getting satisfied. Wow, am I getting filled up. And it isn't a feeding tube in your mouth. It is a delicacy that you're just taking in and in and in. And it is good for your soul. And every single day, you're just becoming more and more like Jesus. And it is changing you from the inside out. It is not book, a book. It is food. It's food. It's oxygen. It's seed. It's seed. According to the word of God, it's seed for us. According to 1 Peter, he talks about this. He says this in 1 Peter. Do we have that one? 2 Peter, maybe? 1 Peter 1.23. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God, the word of God. And I'm running out of time. It's just a seed for us. It's seed for us. Isaiah says it this way. This is so big for us. I want you to hear this. This is so huge for us to understand. Isaiah 55 says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, just like the rain and the snow comes down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout. He says, so rain and snow is coming down and it doesn't return without it watering the earth and making, making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And then he says this, so will my word be. 
Just like rain comes down and waters the earth, just like snow comes down and waters the earth and it brings and it sprouts vegetation and it brings about and it sprouts food for, for people to eat and eventually bread for the eater. He says, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth and it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. You know what the word of God is? The word of God is like my, my seed, my little seed contraption. I don't know what this is called, but maybe some of you know what this is. The word of God is just my little seed contraption. And that's what the does. I'm just throwing out. We're just throwing out the word of God. And when I throw out the word of God, it's just firing seed. Nobody's going to sit in front anymore. And that seed, are you guys awake now? Good. And that seed is going to do what, just like what rain does and what snow does when it falls from the heaven, it's going to bring about, are you guys okay now? We're good now. It's going to bring about what God wants it to bring about. And that is vegetation and fruit. That's what it's going to bring about. It's going to bring, and they're going, I don't know about sure. I don't know if I, I'm not really sure if this is, I'm digging this or not. I don't really know. And listen, all I'm going to do and all you should do is just keep firing out the word of God because that's going to just take root. It's going to take to the soil of their hearts. And they're going to have that. You're going to have that when you need it the most. You're going to need it. You're going to need it in your life when you, when, at the times where you're going, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what I'm de- going through right now, but this is like hard. This is challenging. This is difficult. And what was, what was planted in your heart maybe years ago will come to your mind and go, this is what God wants to do in and through me. This is what God wants me to endure in my life. And he knows the plans that he has for me. And it's the word of God that does that. And that's why I'm telling you, parents, you keep firing the word of God at your kids. You keep shooting out the word of God. Do I need to give give us another example again? No, you need to just keep firing the word of God out at your kids. Why? Because all of that seed that you're giving out, some of it's going to take. You with me? Some of it's going to take. So keep Keep it up. Keep it up, parents. Keep speaking the word of God to your kids. Keep telling them how good God is and how faithful God is. And here's why, based on his word, because that's just seed that you're throwing out there. It's the reason why we do the things that we do. Man, I, love, I look forward to Wednesday nights, we, our WANA program. Our WANA program, we get kids that come in, dozens of kids that come in, and we sit down with them. After I preach to them, we sit down with each one of them, and we teach them. We, we, we tell them, listen, learn the Word of God. And right now, it sort of feels like a necessity for them. But after a while, it might just be a delicacy. But we're just fire and seed their way. We're just firing seed their way. Parents, engage in that. Engage in that. The word of God is just paper in an envelope. It's just money in an envelope. 
but it's best when you engage with it. It works, the power is when you pull it out of the envelope and you apply it to where it needs to be and it will change everything. It will change everything. Let's pray together. God, we, um, I pray, Lord, that we are a people that understand that the word is not just a book, it's oxygen that we need. And a toxic, poisonous society and culture that we live in, that we work through and navigate through. A world that we are in, but not of. A world that we try to do go about our business and have a job and and have build a career and a family and raise a family, Lord, and just and the opportunities that we get in this life, but understanding that we're just don't quite fit as a follower of you. There's just we're just sort of going against the grain of where culture goes and where where we're to follow. And so we need oxygen. Like a scuba diver needs oxygen, we need a we need oxygen. And I pray, Lord, that we're not just people that look at the word of God as just like another thing that we have to eat out of necessity, that we have to plug our nose and try to shovel it in every day. But we begin to view it and look at it as a delicacy, as something that we cherish and enjoy and look forward to just diving into and eating from. And that we view it and know that it doesn't return void. It doesn't, it doesn't bring about emptiness. That even, even today, even, even those that aren't really maybe listening or really on board or on, on page with what is being said here today, that it, the word of God was presented and thrown out as seed and it will, it will take root. It will take to the soil of somebody's heart. And that's the power of it. It's living and active. It's not just ink. It's not just history. It's your story of redemption and hope. It's breath to dry bones, bringing them back and putting us back on our feet again. Thank you for the time. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we walk out of here and we start breathing its air and we start feeding on it and we start throwing seed to the loved ones and the people that we come across every day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.